to the Toes on the Line podcast. I'm your host, Gio Grassi. Today, I'm bringing on my man, Steve Leo. And for those that don't know, Leo, as we like to call him, me and Sully and the boys, uh, Steve brought me into the strength game. Um, he was the first guy that hired me um, coming out of college at Priest of Speed School. That's how I broke into uh, strength and conditioning, the fitness world, whatever you want to call it these days. Steve, thank you for that. And thanks for coming on the podcast, baby. Hey, Gio, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I, I love to see what you're doing now. And um, it's just fun for me. I know I've been in, in a while, like you said, but it's fun for me to see people like you and Sully and all the other people that we've had contact with, you know, uh, doing great in their field, whether it be, you know, you're working in a collegiate setting now. I know you did some stuff with the Giants and, you know, other people are training other people in di- different facilities. So that, that's what it's about for me. To me, it's a family. Once, once you kind of do this for a living, you, you kind of have this tree. It's kind of like the football trees with like Andy Reid and, and those guys, like, you know, you're all connected. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's great for everyone. I'm just so happy that everyone's doing well. Um, you know, as far as me, yeah, I've been doing this a while. You, you know, I'm, uh, I don't know how many years. I think I'm 20-some years in now, 24, the o- the OG. Well, Something like the, that. One of the, uh, what's it called? Martin Rooney called you guys the uh, the pioneers of strength and conditioning. I, I guess so. Um, <laughs> I, I, definitely, I, th- I think we're... What we can take credit for is we were definitely the pioneers when it comes to what you would think a speed school is now or or sports. Now it's more called sports performance, but we're probably one of the first ones out there. You know, I started with Bill Parisi in 96, 97 and that winter right there. And, um, you know, I was working uh, at a Gold's Gym. That was my first job out of college. I was a personal trainer. Only job I could get, you know, I didn't really know a ton about sports performance, but I knew I wanted to train athletes. And I had a few athletes just by nature at the gold gym. They were, I was young. I was 20 something, I don't know, 23 or whatever. And I started training a couple, you know, baseball, football players. And then I was coaching. I was coaching, a, 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 actually a travel softball team, believe it or not. Oh, shit. Um, I didn't even know that. Yeah. A uh, friend right. of mine's, my good friend's sister was a collegiate softball player, started this club team and she begged me. She's like, Hey, can you come and help? I need, I need another coach. And, you can teach them how to run and all that type of stuff, which I knew a little bit about anyway. So I started doing that and I really just fell in love with it. And I had coached in high school. I was uh, like a, an assistant wrestling coach for our youth team. We had a youth team that would come in after practice. And my, my high school coach would say, Hey, can you help me? I only have like one or two coaches and we have like 60 kids coming to practice. I'm like, yeah. So really junior in high school is probably when I realized I wanted to work with kids because I just loved hanging out with the little seven, eight, nine-year-olds and teaching them how to wrestle. Um, so I had a few little experiences there. And then when I was training some of these athletes, especially the softball players, a girl that I was working with decided uh, was going to Bill Parisi f- for training. And I remember talking to the dad about it because we would do some stuff in practice. He's like, hey, you should really meet this guy, Bill. He's doing some really cool stuff. I think the two of you would hit it off. And he happened to be Bill's like computer consultant at the time. This is back when you know they would have like computer servers and all that type of stuff. So he kind of, he told me to uh, call him. So I called Bill and, you know, it took me a few times to get through and I met with him one or two times and nothing really came about it. Uh, so I said, okay, you know, whatever. And then I saw in the paper, he was advertising for a personal trainer who had their NASM at the time. That was the first certification I got. And I saw that and I just sent my application in and I met with his manager and I said, Oh, Bill and I had met in the past. And, um, Next thing you know, he brought me on to start doing personal training, doing, you know, training moms in the mornings and all that stuff. Yeah. But he brought me to Bill. He brought me right to his office. He's like, hey, this guy, would, you know, you're growing your speed school. You need help. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember you. And it kind of just went went from there. And I started doing, basically do the old school 5 a.m. to, say, 11, train the moms, you know, the, the 
stay-at-home moms up in Upper Burton County, you know, the money up there. So I, tra- I was training those ladies. And then I would go home, take a nap, come back, and I would train athletes from three to nine. And at the time, it was only one-on-ones. And this was Bill's original place in, in Wyckoff, which was, I think it was 2,500 square feet or maybe a little bit less than that. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't was that 20- huge, yeah. No, it was tiny. The track was, I think it was 20 yards, and that's wall-to-wall 20 yards. So, you're, you know, you could run about 12 before you crashed into some old lady walking across the, because <laughs> the original track, I don't know if you ever saw the pictures view, was down the middle of the uh, personal training studio. I so never, on both yeah, sides, I, I never saw the pictures. You had old school Cybex equipment, you know, the old like teal and purple colors were big in the nineties. Uh-huh. You had those on the side and you had this platform track. They actually built it out of like plywood. It was up maybe, I don't know, two or three inches off the ground and they'd be running by and it had little old ladies crossing you know, and I, I, like I got fullbacks running. I'm like, oh my god, someone's gonna die today. <laughs> <laughs> so I started training kids in a parking lot. I used to take kids out. Chris Sims. I took him in the parking lot when he was eighth grade or freshman in high school. I was working with him because you know we had Phil that was involved with us. And yeah, that's I right. Putting, I remember putting cones in the parking lot to block off different because we had like three entrances. And, and I'm like, oh my god, I don't, I, if this kid dies, you know, I'm dead. You know, my career's over. So <laughs> I had to train people in the parking lot. So when people you got to do what you got to do, man. Yeah. When people complain they don't have space, well, I dealt with that. I dealt with like nothing. And I was, you know, working with Division I athletes. So, yeah, I mean, that was really the start. And, you know, we grew from there. We, we opened up another place in, in Midland Park down the road, which is about 15,000 square feet. had a full health club. That, there we had like a 40-yard, four-lane track or five-lane, I think it was. And um, that blew up. You know, that grew. We started doing group sessions. Then we opened up Fairlawn, which, you know, you were working out. I helped manage that for a while. So we had another location in Morris County. I managed that. And I started bopping around to different locations. And then in 2010, I opened up my own location, you know, out in West Jersey, in Sparta, right? Up yep. in the boonies. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. New Jersey. It's farmland. <laughs> no. um, it's nice out there, though. I like it. You know, I enjoyed it. I did that for a while. And then I moved my facility to my town in Rockaway, which was closer, obviously. Uh-huh. And uh, I was only there not even a year. Then our friends COVID hit. And, uh, you know, it just took a look at it with with my lifestyle with my wife and my I have a daughter entering high school I said you know it's time to take a step back so I closed the facility decided I'm just going to do more consulting and, and and working with teams outside of uh outside of here and, and you know a few years ago I wound up getting hired at a, at a private school named Gilstein Bernard's to start a train conditioning program which they really have and then I started teaching there out of the blue never thought I'd teach in my life they just approached me because they teach fitness in their middle school. And I started doing that. And that's really what made me think, you know what, I'm going to transition over to that side. Um, still doing stuff for Pharisees. I still do stuff for the educational side of it. You know, I teach, um, work on their, on their manual and things like that. And then a couple of years ago too, as well, I got involved with Vertimax, um, like you were talking about earlier, doing some of their education. So I've really kind of fallen onto the educational side. Never thought that's what I'd be doing. I always yeah. to be a coach. Um, but I'm doing both now. And then I'm looking forward to my first full year as a track and field coach in high school. I've coached the uh, youth program forever. I coached my daughter since she's five. And now this year I'm taking on a high school program. So it start last year, but again, it didn't happen. So this is my first full year. I assisted the last couple of years. And so I like these new challenges. You know, I'm doing a lot, like you said. Um, but if it's sports and I get to work with kids, then I'm pretty happy. Yeah. And, you know, going going into like that track like that track coaching, um, what's it called? Like that, like that part of the, your career, like just talk about what, what are some things you work on with those high school kids? Um, 
is it the same as, you know, a, a collegiate kid would be doing or, you know, how, how would you, you know, structure their workouts or their training sessions on the, uh, on the track? I, I think it's, it's really basic because typically in high school, you know, it is, if you went on a, I don't say a football team. Yeah. Some kids play football, but how many kids it's their main sport forever. Right. Now you yeah. get some kids that play soccer, club soccer. There's not many kids in high school that track is their number one sport. Yeah. So you're getting a lot of kids that are using it as a, as a secondary or cross training type sport that play soccer or basketball, whatever. So I, I'd say maybe 10% of my team are kids who legitimately you know, want to run track or even want to run track in college. So I have to take that into account. One, they have, they've had never had any technique work at all. So a lot of what I'm doing with them is trying to fix their technique. Number one, and luckily I'm the strength coach at school. So I get to do that in the weight room, even though it's, you know, by New Jersey standards, you're not supposed to coach out of season, but since I'm the strength coach, I can do speed work. So I found uh-huh. a loop around there. There you go. There you go. I find a little loophole. <laughs> that on NJSA.org. But, um, you know, we do a lot of that. We did a lot of that in the fall, but now when, when coming to spring, I put together my long-term athletic plan for them and, looking at it, we're going to have about 11 weeks. Um, and I think I was telling you before, we're going to have our first meet within two and a half weeks. So we're going to get maybe 10 or 12 practices in. So for them, it's really just, I believe in a short to long approach. You know, a lot of track coaches will talk. Uh, they like long to short. I, I'm a short to long. I believe in that. And that's really what we've always done is getting, teaching kids how to accelerate number one. I don't care if you're a miler all the way down to a hundred meter sprinter. Uh-huh. I think you need to learn how to start because if you don't know, learn how to push, you, you're never going to be able to utilize that at any parts of the race. So I, I try to teach that number one. Um, I try to teach them about posture. I know it's so basic, but for a lot of non-track athletes, they don't know what posture means. They want to hunch over, get low, you know, they've heard all that. So I try yeah, to, yeah. I try to fix a lot of that. Um, and I, I time a lot. I'm a big believer in timing. Some people aren't, aren't, I believe timing tells you a lot of what's going on. Number one, it helps you in the beginning establish a plan so we've been testing it right we've been doing some verticals in winter track i've been helping when we're doing verticals tens i think i heard on one of your podcasts you were doing the same type of thing and it also will help me during the season to see okay are they improving are they overtraining? are they fatigued because those numbers are varying a ton something's up right something's yeah. not right so when it comes to putting the, the, the plan together i treat our sessions where one, I don't run every day. That's another thing. I'm, I'm like the anti-track coach. I don't sprint them every day. I think they need breaks. I go probably two days, one day off, something like that, depending on the week when we have meets. Most of our meets are on Wednesdays, which is kind of funky. But Well, that's West. Um, yeah. That, that fucks your weekends up, man. <laughs> it does. It, it's, it's wacky. So I got to get creative. So typically Wednesday. the way I do it, yeah, Wednesday, right in the middle of the week, because they don't want to do a lot of stuff on the weekends. Oh, nice. Um, so usually I'm, for them. It's old school, but Monday I make like an acceleration day. So that day is going to be starts, rolling starts, uh, sled sprints, you know, whatever it might be. Okay. Um, and then, you know, 30s, 60s, 90s, things like that, all short stuff. And that's for like 100, say 400 meter runners. And then on either Tuesday or Wednesday, if we don't have a meet that week, then I, that's more if you want to call it the middle distance day. I'll do more um, anywhere between, you know, 150s up to maybe 300s for that day um, as far as the training volume. But I try to keep the volume under a mile for the day. Um, I don't go okay. much over that on speed days. Because once you go over that, I think you're, you're, you're taxing them too much. And again, these aren't high-level track athletes yet. I think on a collegiate level, they probably, I would guess, go 1,500 to 2,000, somewhere in that range. Um, but if they haven't meet on Wednesday, obviously I'm not doing that. Um, and then I'll do an overspeed or a lactate threshold day once a week. 
Uh, maybe that's like on a Friday because if I know I have Saturday off, I'll give them a break. And that's in volume. It's probably more like doing twos and fours and sixes, like the old school stuff. But everything I do is still based on time. I base it on the percentage of their of their um, PR. Because the funniest thing is, you probably heard of some track coaches. They'll say, "All right, you know, go run, go run a four hundred, run at seventy five percent." Well, what does that mean to the kid? He has no right, idea right, what right. seventy five yeah, percent yeah, yeah. means. Yeah. He's not a robot. So. I take all their times and I tell them, you're going to run, I want you to run this in 105. I want you to run this in 110. I want you to run this in 120. And as they're coming into the line, I'm calling out their times. And then they know that was too fast or it was too, too slow. So sometimes you have kids go too fast and yeah. that may not be what we're trying to, and they're going to blow all out. Ga- and then all gas, no brakes, some of them damn kids. And then their tank goes, and then I tell them the new tank's going to empty quicker. Yeah. You know, so it depends on what we're doing. You know, some people are against tempo runs. I like tempo runs on the on intermitting with lactate days because if I need to build a volume, I can do that. But typically, if you look at the week, when I, in my mind, it's it's an acceleration day, a max velocity day, and then like a speed endurance day. It's kind of how I do it. That's about what they'll run in a week. Um, and then on the other, on like a fourth day, they can do the specialty work, the jumps, uh, if they're a thrower. Um, and then that's time to work on relays and that's a lot of short sprints that I get on the relay work. And then we will lift probably twice a week. Nice. What are you doing? Are you doing Olympic lifts with them in the weight room or you just like strict, like basic uh, um, squat launch pattern? I, yeah, I do. I, I, on the Olympic side, I do more complexes with them. Okay. Cause they're just, they're still learning and how long it takes to teach Olympic lifting. Yeah. So I use the complexes. I've been using that to kind of teach them the movements and build up their, their work capacity and just being able to handle a barbell for a session. Mm-hmm. You know that sometimes just handling a barbell for an hour is tough for a kid. Um, so Complain I try to work on hands hurt. <laughs> yeah. They just can't even handle it. So we yeah. do that. That's usually like our warm up or our movement pattern setup. And then, um, you know, deadlift and squats is pretty much I'll rotate every two to four weeks. Um, depending on the numbers, uh, you know, on the squats, I I'll rotate back in a season. I'll do much more dynamic work, not as much max effort because they're getting pounded with the running yeah. um, off season. It'd be more, uh, more of like a maximum effort and a dynamic effort day, one or two days a week. Um, and then substitute with, uh, with deadlifts, you know, whether it be trap bar or straight bar, wherever we're at. And then uh, a lot of, a lot of bilateral single leg work because they need it as sprinters. They just don't do enough of it and step ups, lunges, you know, all that type of stuff. What's your, what's your thoughts on the deadlift? Now, now that you mentioned it, cause I was talking to Sully about it a while ago. He loves the hex bar. Um, Listen, I love both hex bar, straight bar. I felt like I got more bang for my buck when I was straight bar deadlifting heavy, when I was jumping higher, running faster. Um, what do you, you think is the best tool for athletes? you think hex bar just because it puts them in that high bar position already? Or what do, what do you think? I think, I think it depends on a kid, right? So if they're more okay. of a younger athlete, I'll use my high school kids. The trap bar has been more successful because that's where they're at in their training. But okay. I think as they progress, if you say to like get up near like a, col- a high school senior or a college kid, I think eventually they have to get to a straight bar because those different um, patterns for them, like, cause if you're in a straight bar, the pattern is different than a than trap bar. Really the trap bar, it's a hybrid. I, I don't call it a full deadlift. It's kind of like a squatty lift, you know, squatty deadlift. It's, in it's, like, the a, yeah, it's, like, it's like a quarter squat almost. Yeah. So I just tell them it's a hybrid. It's, it's in the middle, you know, okay. um, but to get the true hip hinge, really you need to deadlift. Um, so I think it's always starting with the trap bar. And what I do is I transition them to the low bar trap bar first after I've done high bar, and then I'll transition them to a straight bar. And that seems to work well throughout time, but I don't have anyone that's below the age of 16. I think that I'm straight bar deadlifting with yet, because you know what? 
if they get hurt, then they can't run for me. So I yeah. can do other things with them. You know, we have reverse hypers at the gym at school and I donated some for my old gym. So mm-hmm. we do reverse hyper extensions and, and things like that. So I can get a lot of the movements that I want to get, but I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, they, they need to learn how to eventually deadlift the right way with a straight yeah. ball. Reverse hypers, man, big time game changer. I, it's to me, it's one of the core pieces you have to have in a weight room if you want to be faster. Yeah. We just got a pair last year, actually last March, we actually got a uh, six of them. You know, we ha- haven't used them much yet because, you know, with COVID and stuff, we don't want to you know, touch a whole bunch of equipment. And I shit, know. But, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Game changer, big time. But um, Steve, you, you, so you sled sprint your guys or uh, mm-hmm. your team, what, Mondays, you said? That would be on a Monday, yeah. Because and then they race the on Wednesdays. Do you, th- you think team sports should like resistance sprint in season or you think that's like a far-fetched idea? I think they can. I think it's really just about... You got to dose it a certain way, right? Yeah, the volume. What's your volume at? You know, what I always say, I know it's probably the most crudest way, but whatever I'm doing off-season, I just cut that in half for in-season. Okay. If I'm going to do six sprints, I'll do only three in-season. They're still getting... My whole thing is you have to keep stimulating them. If you don't stimulate them the right way... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. So that's how I look at it. You know, and and listen, you know this as a strength coach. Everybody wants to know exact reps and sets. Sometimes it's a feel thing right? How are they feeling? How do they look? You're a coach. You look at the, you see them run. You're like, you know what? You can do another one. You'll be fine. Or, you know what? Hey, I, you're done. That's it. I had three scheduled today. We're doing two. You're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. I think it's okay to do that. I think there's so many strength coaches that look at these, you know, Excel sheets and, and whatever, and they get so focused. I got to complete block one or section one. I'm like, guys, I, I get it. It's a great plan, but sometimes you got to go off script. Yeah, I, I deviate sometimes in the weight room. Like if a guy's on his last set and it looks good in my head, let's go up 15 pounds, let's do one more. Yeah. You know, same shit there. It's like, all right, you know, you might, you might get a little more bang for your buck with one more set. It ain't going to kill you, son. <laughs> no, that's it. I've done that. Many, they, the, the kids hate it with me. They're like, you just keep saying one more. I'm like, yeah, I lie a lot. Sorry. Yeah, they, yeah they, they do say, oh, <laughs> coach, coach is just one more guy. You were one more guy. Same thing with sprinting. I think I, I learned it yeah. way back from you guys at Parisi's. It was like, hey, if his time goes, if, if he just ran as slow as time, maybe give him one more. If it's another slow one, then he's done for the day or she's done for the day, you know? Yeah. Cause plus two, I always want them to walk out of a session, whether it be a track session, speed session, strength, whatever. I want them walking out of there on a high. Like yeah. I did something good, whether it be they PR'd or they just made it through a workout that they previously couldn't handle. Um, or they were the leader in that group, whatever it is. I want them walking out of there like, all right, I accomplished something today. Not, Hey, that coach just kicked my tail for, an hour and a half, you know, yeah. which we do. It's part of training. I'm not, I would never say it's not part of training. There are times you got to insert foot and rear. It's part of it. They need it. <laughs> okay. But it's not, not hundred percent of what you're doing either. Yeah. That's funny. No. So insert foot and rear. I got to use that quote, man. <laughs> Damn. But, um, That's- Hey, I, I recently read something. I don't know if you've seen it too. It was talking about deceleration and how like you should it shouldn't even be trained because you never come to a full dead stop in sports. I don't know if you believe that or not. Um, well, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that today. Yeah, that's it's interesting because I mean, listen, you know, we teach a ton of deceleration, a ton of I it. Think, yeah, I still teach it. Yeah, and I think what happens is people overanalyze and they're saying, "Well, I shouldn't teach a typical." hockey stop or, you know, a, a linear deceleration because you'll never c- come to a complete stop in a game. Agreed. Soccer, lacrosse, never really going to happen. But if you can't teach them in that stationary stance, it goes back to, I think you heard you talking about Sully with it. You know, if you don't put him like a 10 yard start and teach them that the rolling starts, they won't know how to drive out of either. Mm-hmm. So 
that to me, that's, I look at it as like in, in, in strength training, you use concentric, eccentric, but sometimes you use isometric movements for a couple of reasons. It might be to teach a movement. It might be to get more time under tension, but you'll use ISOs, right? Well, Big to time, me, yeah. teaching a deceleration is like teaching an ISO. Right. It, 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 to me, it will transfer. Now, if you never do anything at live speed and have to come out of that breaker cut, well, yeah, then, then you might be wasting your time. But to me, that's the, I would say the regression, that might be the starting point. And the progression is, okay, now we're going to work, you know, more reactionary, visual, auditory, whatever it might be out of a breaker, out of a cut. So I, I think it's important to teach in the beginning, but you have to progress them what they can handle. And if they're not strong enough, having them do hard cuts or breaks and stuff, you, you've seen it. What happens? It's like doing yes. ice skates. Something goes, yeah, something's got to go. They're flying all over the place. So I, I, I probably understand what they're saying, but I think it's, it's too narrow-minded in, in the thought process. I think you need to expand and look like what's the end goal. The end goal is they want to teach them how to cut better. Um, yeah. And if they don't know how to decelerate, well, then how are you going to cut? Uh-huh. Not hundred percent. I like teaching decelerations like volume on the speaker. I, I always tell the kids, Hey, look, you, you got to know when to turn the volume down, slow the speed down. You got to know when to turn it back yeah, up, yeah. you know? Exactly. Yeah. So, it's learning how to, I, I say to the kids, it's like learning how to ride the bike for the first time and you don't know how to hit, hit your brakes. You hit the brakes too hard. You just get out. Right. Like learning how to hit the brakes, right? <laughs> Flying you over really, the handlebars, baby. <laughs> but if you hit it the right way, you can make your turns. You can, and then when you transition from the kick brake to the handbrake, okay, that's a little different too. Yeah. So, you should start telling uh, you should start telling kids that get their driver permits. Hey, what happened when you hit the brakes too hard in that damn car, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's another one I use for for coaches. I'm like, yeah, or you go get a rental car. Where? You're like, oh, what was that? Because right. you didn't understand how to apply the right pressure, and that's really what deceleration is. It's about applying pressure and then applying force to get out of it. Yeah. Nah, I, I think you're right. I think people, too many people microanalyze sports. I don't even think you got to get that deep. But um, listen. Steve, I, I love everything you talked about today, man. Great stuff, brother. I got to ask you one question before I get you off sure. here. No problem. And you can't say teaching because everyone uses that card and I, I put a clause. <laughs> I put a clause on that answer. You can't say teaching no more. Fuck it. Okay. If you weren't doing what you were doing today or if you never chose this career path, what other career path do you see yourself doing? Um, that's a tough question because this is all I've ever wanted to do. Um, <laughs> no, it's true. It really is. It, it, Probably the other thing that I've always had interest in, and I, I did a little bit in high school, is I did love like architecture and housing. So I definitely would have done something like that where it came to, uh, I wouldn't say home improvement, but something mechanical like that. I, I enjoy, like I do like work around my house. Yeah, I like work around my house. I like doing things like that. So it probably would have been that. I mean, when I was in high school, I was in, I was in an architect club in high school, believe it or not. Nice. And I designed, we designed houses and uh, I got talked out of it when I went and we had a meeting. We had an, we went to meet with an architect at an architectural firm. We did designs. And I remember the guy telling us, don't go into architecture. It's a dying industry. <laughs> like he just talked. I'm like, all right, well, I'm not studying that in college. That was probably the last. Suck. I don't think it's a dying industry. You see so many new fucking buildings getting built every I damn know. day, you know? Well, I was 17 at the time when I heard that. I, I, you know, that turned you off sphincter, right away, huh? My sphincter got really small. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, that's not good. You know, uh, and well, actually, my my father, my father was um he he was a draftsman, you know, which is like an engineer designer, and uh -huh. he was on his way to retire. He's a little older, he, you know. I'm younger. I had sisters in their sixties, um, and he said yeah, everything's becoming computerized. Don't go into it. So between the, the engineer, I mean, the architect, and my dad as an engineer, they were like, don't go into that field. And I said, oh, I think I want to study like 
sports science or athletic training. My dad's like, great, study that. That'll be good for you. And that's right, honestly what happened. And it worked out for you, man. See where you're at now, doing yeah. great things, you know. I mean, you had a hell of a great career, you know, from where you started to where you're at now. So, you know, good success to you. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you having me on. And, uh, you know, best of luck with this uh, Toes on the Line, man. Let's, let's get it out all over. iTunes, Spotify, right? Where else is you on? Uh, I'm on everything, man. Google, Spotify, Apple. What else is out there? Stitcher. I don't know. All these other f- platforms. I don't, I don't really use much, but other people do. <laughs> it's funny. It's, great. it's funny. Cause like yeah. when I run my stats on, um, like w- w- what platforms it was downloaded on or listened to, I, I see like new podcast platforms. I'm like, I didn't even know this shit existed. You know? No, it's crazy. There's so much stuff out there, but I think, you know what, the fact that there's more and more platforms like what you're doing that strength coaches or performance coaches can just have conversations. I think yeah. it's great. I think because now too, there's no, no seminars going on, no clinics. You're not going to be able to go and meet with people and have a beer and talk shop. You know, it's hard when you're, you're kind of isolated as a strength coach. You don't have many people. I mean, you have what a couple of the strength coaches you talk to, but you know, there's not that many. <laughs> you don't get to hang out with people that much. Yeah, anymore. you can't, can't go to a conference and buy someone a beer for a job or something anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, or, or just share stories. You know what I mean? I, I it's just, I, I, that's what I probably miss the most. That yeah. we're not doing that anymore. Yeah, you know, that's why I enjoy doing it. I was about to say, you, you got any crazy stories bef- before we get off of here? You want to share? Athletic crazy or coaching? Story. Athletic or coaching? What do you got, man? I don't think. You got any Phil Sim, you, got, you got any crazy Phil I'll give, I'll, give, I'll give you a story on a couple of pro guys that I work. I won't give their names, but okay, okay, I yeah, one, yeah. I had one pro guy I worked with, um, played football. I'll leave it at that. And listen, pro guys are interesting, right? They have some interesting backgrounds, and yeah, they're uh, real interesting. They're they're funky. So I had one guy who had just bought a brand new Mercedes, and he calls me up. You know, sits to train at like ten, eleven in the morning. Calls me up. He's like, "Hey, I'm running late. My car's not working." And I'm like, "Hey, didn't you just?" buy that car he's like yeah i just bought it something's wrong it's not starting i'm like okay Ooh. calls me back a half hour later he's like i still can't start it i'm like i like, you just bought that from mercedes right and it's like you know one of the highest end ones i'm like i think you should just call mercedes up because i'm sure they'll come out and fix it and do whatever for it's part of your contractor you know service fees he's like i don't know how to do that can you call them for me Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> he went, like I was his agent. I'm like, oh, no, dude. And it just happened to be, it was like, it was when the keyless um, entries had just started really getting big and it was something, it wasn't, you know, I don't think he was, he didn't have an on him. It, it wasn't starting or something crazy. He probably, he probably unlocked the car from the house, left the key in the house. Cause didn't you need to like bring the key with you and like insert it somewhere in the car? The old ones you did, yeah. The old yeah. ones, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like my car actually, I have, I have a SUV and it, I've done that before. I go, I start it. I go in the house and I've left the key in the house and then I start driving and it goes bing, 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 bing. And the key's missing, you know? Mm. So that, that was one. The other one I think is probably the, this is my funniest one. Another guy, football player always would come in late, always came in late. And I'm like, whatever, it's okay. You come in late. He was like a half hour, 45 minutes late. And one time I'm like, dude, Jesus why are you Christ. Again today? He's and actually, I was training someone else. He was laying on a turf, literally sleeping like out cold. And, and you know, at our places, there's a health club, there's kids training. It's not like it's a quiet environment. No, no. <laughs> I finally woke up. I'm like, hey, you ready to train? He's like, oh, man, I think I'm just going to go home. I'm like, what do you mean? Jeez. I'm like, what? So this is where it gets the best. I'm like, why? He's like, you know, I, I was up all night last night playing rock. Was it rock band? Remember rock band, yeah. Or guitar hero. One of the, whatever it was at the time. And he's like, you know, I'm just so exhausted from that. So I, I think I'm just going to go home. I can't train today. Golly, man. Pro athlete, yeah. huh? 
He was a pro. He was a pro making money. I mean, he had a contract. He was making money. And, oh, and then God. he even said to me, he's like, hey, he goes, if you want, you want to come over tonight and hang out and play? <laughs> I'm Jesus like, no, I'm good, Christ. <laughs> I mean, nowadays, these guys, they're, they're out there playing Call of Duty and Fortnite all night. So That's what it was, yeah. But I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. He's like, oh, you want to come hang out? I'm like, no. Nah. He, so, he was such a nice guy. I don't want to criticize him. He was such a nice guy. Yeah. But, you know, in his mind, that's what uh... – oh, and, and he got in trouble. <laughs> he, got, he, he was hurt got in trouble for taking um, uh, whatever it was. I forget the PED or something, but he was on the IR and he got in trouble for that too. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Jesus. Like, You're what, not even playing. What team did he play? New York team? <laughs> he was definitely uh, you, you in this area. All he right. All right. Here we go. <laughs> I got to say is that I don't even know what you're talking about, but all right. It was a giant or a jet. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. Great, again, both guys. I love them. I thought they were awesome. Like such nice guys, but you know, just crazy things that happened because I, mean, I think it was like the same year. I was working with a bunch of guys, just happened to work. <laughs> you just shake your head. You're like, okay, all right. That's funny, man. Well, Steve, man, appreciate you getting on here, bud. Problem, man. Hey, thanks for having me, and best of luck with uh, with Fordham. You know, hopefully uh, things get cleaned up pretty soon before we can get back to normal. Yeah, definitely, man.